This is Westfair Business Buzz from Westfair Communications, publisher of the Fairfield County Business Journal. Here's your host, Phil Hall. Hello and welcome to Westfair Business Buzz. I am Phil Hall, Senior Enterprise Editor with the Westchester and Fairfield County Business Journal. Uh, my guest on today's show is Tom Capassi. He is Chairman and CEO of Ready Capital, a New York-based non-bank lender specializing in SBA and commercial real estate loans. And Tom does have a local connection. He is a Westport resident. So, Tom, thank you for being on today's program. No problem, Phil. Appreciate you having me. Well, this has been uh, quite a hectic time, I would imagine, for your company with the PPP loans uh, being originated. Can you tell me a bit about the activity that's been going on? Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> uh, Ready Capital is the leading non-bank uh, lender for small balance commercial loans uh, in the U.S., uh, both real estate-backed uh, um, where you have uh, you know, multifamily, uh, hospitality, et cetera. But the, the, uh, as it relates to PPP, the payment protection plan, the other side of the, the, the equation is owner-occupied commercial real estate, which we tackle as one of uh, 14 non-bank uh, SBA lenders. Uh, the SBA program, uh, so-called 7A program to guarantee uh, small business loans was founded back in the 60s. I actually started my career in Connecticut uh, making those loans um, back in the day. Um, so uh, the um, uh, <clears throat> that program is, is the SBA program. You have to be a bank, a depository, um, and there's about 2,000 lenders in the program. And there's only 14 non-banks, and we're the second largest of the non-banks. Uh, only a handful are active. So uh, <clears throat> we also had uh, acquired a fintech company uh, uh, late last year. So when PPP started. Um, in round so-called round one, sometime in uh, early April after the CARES Act, uh, we were able to roll out a online portal, which provided for small, really the smallest of the small businesses, to obtain uh, relatively quick and easy access to the program in terms of filing applications, which were, you know, fully compliant with all of the KYC and other type uh, important uh, aspects of the uh, of the PPP program as mandated by the SBA. And so uh, what happened in round one was um, we were actually the largest uh, by number of applications uh, lender. Uh, we have processed uh, roughly 40,000 uh, applications and um, we were number 15 in terms of, of, uh, of dollar amount, three billion. But so what that tells you is, you know, over half of our borrowers were under $25,000 in terms of the application and further 9,000 of those 40,000 were sole proprietors. So what was going on at that point um, was the banks were favoring their larger customers where they had existing business relationships. Uh, some of them were the bigger com companies like, you know, all the politics around Shake Shack and some of the com companies that have given back the uh, the the, um, the the uh, you know the, the loans, um, but but the the punchline was we were able to prov to provide more democratic access than the banks were at that point to the smallest of the small businesses the the hair salons the uh, you know the uh, uh, the delis the uh, you know I was just at a deli in Fairfield the other day and 
you know, they, they coincidentally had access through a company like ours and very thankful. So, you know, anyway, so that was a, that was a, you know, that was a interesting dynamic uh, out of the box in terms of the round one. <clears throat> and we've sub subsequently uh, 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 funded about, I think it's 2.6 or 7 billion of those uh, loans. Some may, uh, the rest may fall out because of duplicate, um, uh, duplicate filings or, um, you know, the business does not, has not elected to move forward with a num number of reasons. But uh, so that's, that was uh, our experience as a, uh, if you will, a non-bank SBA lender with a, with a FinTech orientation, um, which made it, made it very successful for us in terms of the first uh, round of funding. Let me ask you a potentially thorny question. I, I mean, nobody really anticipated the pandemic to create the degree of economic havoc that it did. If we could just hit the reset button and pedal ourselves back to mid-March, where, where exactly did the PPP program start to go haywire and what should have been done at that time to ensure that the proper people were getting the loans and not the major corporations? Well, you know, 2020 hindsight's everything, right? But I think the SBA and the Congress are well-intentioned <clears throat> and just, you know, like, uh, like it occurred in 2008, um, you know, you, some of the programs, uh, when they were rolled out, the construct was not, uh, didn't provide for the best delivery mechanism. So, so the SBA program um, uses a, uh, a, a, a system called ETRANS, which is how they approve the SBA loans, uh, the, the normal SBA loans. And <clears throat> the, the system basically... Um, in the first, in round one, it approved in, I think it was three or four weeks, what they do in 14 years in terms of volume. Uh, normally the, the SBA does 25 to 30 billion a year and it was north of that 350 billion. So, um, <clears throat> so I think part of that was the, um, the processing issues, but I think the, the, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the very, real simple criteria um, should have been uh, a there, there might have been some criteria that could have been implemented with respect to uh, <clears throat> you know number of sales uh, that there were affiliate rules that enabled the uh, companies like Shake Shack to come to look at individual stores and so I think that there could have been some uh, changes in terms of the eligibility criteria which could have uh, prevented the um, you know utilization of this program by some of the larger companies that, you know, obviously crowded out the, the little guys that we, that we dealt with. A lot of people are hopeful that we've had the worst of the pandemic behind us and there won't be a spike uh, for the remainder of the year until there's a vaccine. Looking ahead, Tom, what do you see as the state of small business? Uh, how is the small business sector going to be able to recover from what's taken place? Well, <clears throat> we have um, currently in our portfolio, we have about $4.1 billion of small balance commercial loans. Um, and of that, about $1.5 billion is the SBA small business loans. Um, and one of the things we're seeing from our, we have a team that focuses on asset management and, uh, you know, rolling out the, the other programs away from PPP to help small businesses like the EIDL, the... Um, the forbearance uh, programs, et cetera. 
So one of the things we are seeing is is much more of in uh, in and this is really since the uh, I'd say in the last two weeks we're seeing more of a signs of a V recovery. Uh, the, the rate of businesses, the in particular hospitality and um, and restaurants, of which you know we have a, a fair a significant exposure, we're seeing. Um, whereas in mid-April we were assuming, let's say uh, maybe <clears throat> only uh, uh, like let's call it in hospitality, I'm sorry, in restaurants, we'd assume only maybe 25% would reopen by uh, uh, May, June. That's now approaching 50%. Uh, so we're seeing a very rapid, uh, wouldn't call it dramatic recovery. You're definitely going to have defaults, but the I think the um, uh, a lot of the metrics we look at in terms of uh, projections on reopening and uh, the uh, also, demand for regular 7A loans is is uh, picking up pretty significantly. That's a sign that businesses are, are investing in their future by borrowing money for, uh, like a number of businesses I was just talking to the other day, they're, <clears throat> they furloughed their, I'm sorry, they, they kept their employees, paid them, and now they're with uh, some of the changes, I don't know if you saw that Congress had, sorry, Senate had with the, um, the changes to PPP that's going to the president's desk. You know, for example, they can <clears throat> they have 24 months to uh, uh, process the forgiveness, and uh, you know it's now 60% for us payroll versus 75. So a lot of these businesses are now taking that um, additional capital, and they're coming to us for applications for regular 7A loans. That means they're investing in the business by buying equipment, upgrading the facilities, what have you. So I don't know. I, I think a little bit more. Opt- we're a little bit more optimistic now than we were. Uh, a month ago, just based on those metrics. Uh, let me ask you another potentially thorny question. Um, Re- Ready Capital is a non-bank lender. Why is it, in your opinion, better for small business owners to uh, do transactions with non-bank lenders like yours, as opposed to going to the big banks? Well, if you look at the SBA market, um, <laughs> it's, um, it, it's it's interesting. You have, obviously, the larger... I, I'm probably only about um, of the there's 7,000 banks, 2,000 are have I think SBA licenses and maybe 1,300 are active. But you really you really have kind of two tiers. You have specialist banks uh, like Live Oak, et cetera, that are really all in on SBA and focus on different verticals, you know, like uh, dentists or um, or, or uh, you know hospitality would have you. Then you have the big banks like B of A and Wells Fargo that they only focus on their best customers and they offer the lowest rates. So they're kind of at the top tier, top of the food chain. Um, we, on the other hand, tend to focus um, as a non-bank on the the m- more of the borrower that has uh, a special story or a. Uh, um, you know, that doesn't, we don't, for example, we don't require that you maintain your deposits with us. Uh, so you can separate the banking side of what you're doing from the, uh, the, the, the lending component. Um, so we tend to have much more of a, a creative approach to uh, acquisitions. We have a construction program and we'll tend to do, uh, we'll tend to uh, do deals much more creatively and process loans more quickly than banks will. because. Um, again, you have that three tiers. You have the you have the specialist banks like Live Oak, which is only a handful of them. Then you have the big banks uh, like Wells and Chase that focus more on the 
top tier customers. And then the community banks do it more as onesie twosies for um, Community Reinvestment Act purposes, what have you. So we tend to occupy a unique niche in, in, um, in you know, providing quicker service um, for more, let's say, story credits uh, than uh, a bank would as a, as a non-bank. And Tom, if people wanted to continue this conversation with you, where would they be able to get in touch with you? Well, you could, uh, my door is always open. You could um, uh, contact uh, contact my my email is tcapasse c a p a s s e at waterfallam.com. Be happy to um, you know have uh, reflect any interest and put put you in touch with the. Uh, appropriate uh, loan officer that we have here in the uh, in the Northeast. Our business is based in uh, in New Jersey. It's actually the old CIT ATT capital business has been in, in uh, you know that <clears throat> the team there has been been in, uh, in business since the uh, late 80s early 90s. So yeah so we, I'd be happy to um, entertain any or all requests on that basis. Excellent. Well thank you so much Tom Capacity, Chairman and CEO of Ready Capital. I'm Phil Hall. We'll see you next week with a new edition of Westfair Business Buzz. Join us again for Westfair Business Buzz.